On March 29, 1832, the 28-year-old Emerson visited the tomb of his young wife Ellen, who had been buried a year and two months earlier. He was in the habit of walking from Boston out to her grave in Roxbury every day. But on this particular day, he did more than commune with the spirit of the departed Ellen. He opened the coffin. Ellen had been young and pretty. She was seventeen when they were engaged— eighteen when married, and barely twenty when she died of advanced tuberculosis. They had made frantic efforts at a cure, including long open-air carriage rides and massive doses of country air. Their life together had been stained, almost from the start, by the bright blood of Ellen's coughing. Opening the coffin was not a grisly gothic gesture, not just the wild aberration of an unhinged lover. What Emerson was doing was not unheard of. At least two of Emerson's contemporaries did the same thing. A Unitarian minister and good friend of Margaret Fuller's, James Freeman Clark, once opened the coffin of the woman he had been in love with when he was an undergraduate. Edgar Allan Poe's literary executor, the anthologist Rufus Griswold, opened the coffin of his dead wife forty days after the funeral. Emerson opened not only the tomb or family vault, but the coffin itself. The act was essential Emerson. He had to see for himself. Some part of him was not able to believe she was dead. He was still writing to her in his journals as though she was alive. Perhaps the very deadness of the body would help a belief in the life of the spirit. A modern writer has said that, Beside the corpse of the beloved were generated not only the idea of the soul, the belief in immortality, and a great part of man's deep-rooted sense of guilt, but also the earliest inkling of ethical law. We do not know exactly what moved Emerson on this occasion, but we do know that he had a powerful craving for direct, personal, unmediated experience. That is what he meant when he insisted that one should strive for an original relation to the universe. Not a novel relation, just one's own. Emerson is the great American champion of self-reliance, of the adequacy of the individual, and of the importance of the active soul or spirit. Never content with mere assertion, he looked always for the sources of strength. Emerson's lifelong search, what he called his heart's inquiry, was, Whence is your power? His reply was always the same. From my nonconformity. I never listened to your people's law, or to what they call their gospel, and wasted my time. I was content with the simple rural poverty of my own. Hence, this sweetness. Emerson's direct facing of death owed something to his aunt, Mary Moody Emerson, the brilliant and original sister of Emerson's father, who deliberately lived with death every day of her life and drew much of her own power from that grim helpmeet. Her jagged, combative prose uses death and pain as probes for faith. "'Did I not assure good Lincoln Ripley long since,' she wrote, that I should be willing to have limbs rot and senses dug out if I could perceive more of God. Emerson had also by now learned to think of ideas not as abstractions, but as perceptions, laws, templates, patterns, and plans. Ideas were not less real than the phenomenal world. 
If anything, ideas were more important than phenomena because they lay behind them, creating and explaining the visible world. Ideas for Emerson were tangible and had force.